Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. What is the relationship between apostasy and blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? As read by the author, Jason Cherry. recent sermon entitled, Whiteness is Not the Unforgivable Sin, which can be found at our website, we defined blasphemy against the Spirit, also known as the unforgivable sin, as attributing to Satan the work of the Spirit. We also saw that blasphemy against the Spirit is more than a rejection of the gospel. It is the obstinate refusal to acknowledge that Jesus' power comes from God, even after seeing the truth of Jesus. A common question is, what is the relationship between the unforgivable sin, as we see in Mark 3, 22-30, and the apostasy described in Hebrews 6, 4-6, and Hebrews 10, 26-29? Well, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is distinct from apostasy. Apostasy is deliberately turning against God and renouncing the faith. It presupposes that the individual was once a sincere believer. Yet there are at least three similarities between apostasy and the unforgivable sin, even as the sin spoken of by Jesus in Mark chapter 3, verse 29 is not apostasy in the ordinary sense. So consider three similarities between apostasy and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. First, consider the unpardonable nature of the sin. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is said to be an eternal sin for which someone never has forgiveness, according to Mark 3.29. In the case of apostasy in Hebrews 6, 4-6, it says it is impossible to restore them to repentance. In the case of apostasy in Hebrews 10.26-31, it says there, are no lo- there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. So the first similarity is the unpardonable nature of the sin. The second similarity between apostasy and blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is that neither can be done accidentally. Jesus' teaching about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is applied directly to the scribes, as we see in Mark 3.22 and Mark 3.30. In Jesus' teaching about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you have the context where the scribes, after watching Jesus' authority to preach, heal sickness, forgive sins, and cast out demons— The scribes attribute Jesus' power to Satan rather than the Spirit. This was done after they watched Jesus carefully for some time. Their sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a thoughtful, willful, circumspect rejection of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a settled condition of the soul. It is not an isolated act done accidentally. The same is true for apostasy which is when someone, as Hebrews 10.26 says, goes on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth. This person has tasted the heavenly gift, that is, has participated in the Lord's Supper. They have partaken of the Holy Spirit and tasted the goodness of the Word of God. 
The clearest example of individual apostasy in the Old Testament is Saul, whom Samuel anointed as king over Israel. Saul was filled with the Spirit and prophesied, according to 1 Samuel 10, verses 6 and 10. Yet eventually, Saul fell away from the Lord and even committed suicide. Neither blasphemy of the Holy Spirit or apostasy is a one-time event done accidentally. It is when someone deliberately and actively hates Christ while knowing the truth. This condition doesn't develop overnight. There is a difference between active and passive sin. Some sin in ignorance, as Hebrews 5.2 mentions, and Yahweh made provision for the person who commits unintentional sin, as we see in Numbers 15.28. No such provision is made for the person who sins with a high hand, as we see in Numbers 15.30. And this leads to our final similarity between apostasy and blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The third similarity is that each is sinning with a high hand. Numbers 15 verses 30 through 31 describe sinning with a high hand when it says, But the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from among his people, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off, his iniquity shall be on him. And so we see from Numbers 15, 30-31, that sinning with a high hand has three parts. First, reviling the Lord. The Hebrew word for reviling also means blaspheming. The second part of sinning with a high hand is despising the word of the Lord. And the Hebrew word for despising also means showing contempt. And the third part of sinning with a high hand is breaking the commandments of God. And in the context of Numbers 15, 30-31, indicates that the person breaks God's commands presumptuously. In sum, sinning with a high hand is, as Hebrews 3.12 says, it is an evil heart of unbelief that results in deserting the living God. Both blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and apostasy are sinning with a high hand. The scribes in Mark chapter 3 desert the living God by rejecting his Christ. The apostates in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, and Hebrews 10, 26 through 30, desert the living God by renouncing Christ. In both cases, they spurn the Son of God in a way that goes beyond mere rejection. Each has what James Moffat describes as contempt of the most flagrant kind. So we see that even as blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and apostasy are different things, they are, they are of the same quality. It's a difference in degree rather than a difference in kind. Apostasy is more common than blasphemy against the Spirit. It always has been. So the question people have about apostasy is, when is someone too far gone? While that is a natural question given the subject, we should be slow to answer it. Ordinarily, it is not our job to pronounce people too far gone. We know the sinner, excommunicated in 1 Corinthians 5, could have repented and been saved, according to 1 Corinthians 5, 5. And we know in the story of the prodigal son that he repented and was saved, according to Luke 15, 31. Hebrews 6, 4-6 and Hebrews 10, 26-30 are teaching that, first, human beings can develop a hard heart, like the scribes, such that they can no longer repent. And second, those Hebrews passages are teaching that those who intentionally forsake Christ 
after sharing in the privileges of the covenant community, are the most difficult people to restore to the faith. Apostates are like the sour grapes of Isaiah's vineyard song in Isaiah 5, 1-7. Even after receiving the farmer's care in Isaiah 5, 1 and 2, harvest time yielded nothing but sour grapes. Some plants just don't respond to nurture. Instead, they become a field of briars and thorns, as Isaiah 5, 6 mentions. To repudiate salvation through the cross is to find no salvation elsewhere. There are times when God gives sinners up to their sin, as Romans 1.24 says. There are times when God sends a strong delusion, as is mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 2.11. There are times when God returns your deeds on your own head, according to Obadiah 15. And there are times when God no longer mediates for people, according to 1 Samuel 2.25. This is not to deny that God welcomes all repentant people. Jesus said in John 6:37, "Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out." The author of Hebrews has not written these things about apostasy so that we can judge whether or not others have irrevocably backslidden. Judgments about who is beyond the pale are outside ordinary human wisdom. At his betrayal, Jesus told Judas in Matthew 26:50, Friend, do what you came to do. Jesus didn't preach repentance to Judas. Jesus didn't reason with Judas. Why not? Well, because as John 13, 27 says, Satan had entered into Judas's heart and Judas fell away from Christ. But then when it came to Peter rejecting Christ, Jesus welcomed him back. Also in the case of Acts chapter 8, verses 22 through 23, Peter called on Simon the magician to repent even though Simon the magician's heart was in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Even then, Peter called on him to repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Sometimes the heart is hardened beyond repentance, like Saul, Judas, and Simon the magician. And sometimes the apparently hardened heart repents, like in the case of Peter and the prodigal son. We must leave final judgment about these things to God and God alone. It is our job to point out the straight, high road that leads out of the slew of despond to the city of God. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.